you look at my life now, I just believe in always being open to opportunities and being open to what the direction that your life might go in. I mean, I had a construction company for 20 years and now I'm in beauty. I just had to dig into it, right? Because I was on a tremendous learning curve both times around. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Katanya Bro, the founder and president of Unsun Cosmetics, Inc., a Los Angeles-based skincare company specializing in natural sun protection and beauty products for all skin shades and tones. Katanya herself has worn sunscreen diligently since around her 20s. And in this episode, she shares why she initially became so diligent with her sunscreen and how as she matured, she became more health conscious. She realized that even someone with her complexion could get skin cancer. And as a result, the idea of sunscreen was no longer just about vanity for her. Protecting her skin meant protecting her life. On today's episode, she talks about the tedious process of creating Unsun, a product that had to meet her own personal high standards and was a natural SPF sunscreen that didn't leave behind that white residue that us women with lots of melanin often experience with other SPF brands. As Katanya says, everyone should be able to look their best while protecting themselves from the harmful effects of the sun. Fun fact about this episode, this was actually our second time recording. We recorded a fabulous interview a few months ago, and then mysteriously, this is the first time this ever happened, by the way, mysteriously, there was an issue with the file. But Katania was gracious enough to re-record with me and share all about her journey, so I'm so grateful. And now let's get right into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Katania. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I let the people know that we had a little, you know, this is our second go round trying this again, but it'll be even better this time. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I don't know. You you, you got me when I had so much energy. Ah, and now we're going to bring it back. I about 10 years. So, no, you know, no, you may not be as energetic now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's go back to the start. Give us a peek into the life of Katania. Just a peek to when you were first bitten by the entrepreneurship bug? Well, I was 21 and I started a little company called Maids Express. I had this little three-month-old baby boy and I just was feeling like I had to hurry up and figure out what I was doing with my life. So I started this little company. I picked these ladies up. I dropped them off at different houses and... That was my first foray into the entrepreneurial world. And it's just kind of continued since then, taking breaks to finish school and get my education and all of that, but was always there. Speaking of education, what was your original career path? What did you go to school for? Originally, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And I started school here in California and then I transferred to New Orleans to just my grandparents were there and my son's grandfather was there. So we I needed the support. And when I went to New Orleans and New Orleans is very cliquish and I fell into that uh, world and 
So it's a population of 300,000 people. And I swear 100,000 were lawyers. <laughs> so, so when I finished with my undergrad, I decided that I would not go to law school. And I just went and got my master's. And then I'd hope that I have a master's in arts administration, that maybe I'd be a museum curator or record label executive, something in entertainment. And it was a very interesting the program because arts administration is basically the business of the arts. So I did a dual internship with the Philharmonic Orchestra, as well as No Limit Records with Master P. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I got the whole thing covered, honey. Okay. <laughs> now, what I find so interesting about your path is you you had these goals and, and original career plans, but then along the way, you started these businesses. And, and were these businesses that you started, was it out of pure need, like need to make money right now? For example, Maids Express. Well, do you have children? No, not yet. Okay. When you have children, before my son was born, I was just kind of floundering about, right? In my early 20s, I was still, you know, 20 years a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and um, trying to figure it out. But there's something that happens when you bring this little human being home and you, you realize that just flopping about isn't going to do it. So, and as a single parent with no support in, in Los Angeles at the time, it was difficult for me to just go get a job. And I tried that. I tr it just, it was just really hard. And so then I think just starting my own business kind of occurred to me. It was the circle that I was traveling in. A lot of people had their own businesses and it was the first thing that came to mind that made me feel like I could really do something with my life for this new inspiration of mine, this, this new child. So I don't know that it was always there. Like as a, a kid, I don't know that I exhibited any entrepreneurial behaviors, mm -hmm. most certainly at that point in my life. And how long did you run Maids Express before you transitioned into something else? N maybe a year. Um, not, not terribly long, but maybe a year. And, um, you know, I was young, right, so right. I was going through so many different things. So it, it was there. And then I don't know that I, I, I went to school late. So I went to school after that. Oh, so okay. I was a, a late student. And then I just kind of went nonstop on that trajectory, just finishing, not look, I'd, I'd be the biggest liar if I said to you, oh, I knew I was going to do this and I knew I was going to do that. I had no idea. Right, right. My life, I mean, if you look at my life now, I just believe in um, always being open to opportunities and being open to what the direction that your life might go in. I mean, I had a construction company for 20 years and now I'm in, in beauty. Right. So, you know. Let's talk about that construction company for a bit. Now, when, when did you start that and how did you get into it? Well, I started it. I was in grad school. I was a sales manager for another um, historical restoration company. And the guy I was dating owned a bunch of historical properties in New Orleans. He was a part of a company that, that owned these, these properties. So I went to him and I said, hey, um, this is what I did. I was a sales manager. We want, give us, give me the work for those companies. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I said, what do you mean you're not going to do that? Because, <laughs> well, I'll do it if you go out on your own. And I'm thinking, I'm in grad school, construction child, this is just a, a, a means to an end. There's no way I'm starting a construction company. He stayed on me for about six months. 
And I ended up starting the company. We started in historical restoration and then moved into construction, custom home building some years down the line. And that went on for almost 20 years. And then I moved back to Los Angeles, knew that I was burnt out, didn't want to do construction anymore, didn't know what I was going to do. And then that unsung opportunity came about just as randomly as anything. (laughs) You know what I really admire about you, Catania, is a lot of times we might have an idea, but the idea or the thought of going into an industry we know nothing about is so intimidating. You know, imagine thinking, oh, this is this construction thing is a good opportunity, but hey, there are other people who know way more than me. At least that's what we think, right? Sure. We assume everyone else knows way more. So sure. did you ever experience that in any of the businesses you started? How did you overcome it, if so? Well, I just had to dig into it, right? Because I really didn't. I was on a tremendous learning curve both times around. Even when I was a sales manager, in the construction business, look, it's one thing to, to sell a deal and then pass it on. It's a totally different thing to sell a deal and then be responsible for it getting done. So that was really tricky. And this was tricky. It probably would not have been as tricky had I not decided to go into an OTC because over-the-counter beauty is completely different from like, if you put out a face cream or an eyeshadow, you don't have to go through these rigorous FDA testing requirements. You just kind of put them out there. You mean if you just sell it on your website? Well, no, just in developing regular products is so you don't have to go through these processes. Uh. But when you have a sun care line, it's considered an OTC. So you are regulated by the FDA. There are very specific tests that have to happen. You have to, you must use FDA approved labs to manufacture your products. You must use FDA approved labs to fill your products. It's just a very, very difficult. So, but I didn't know that. I had no idea. When we first developed this product, I was I was calling packaging manufacturers. Okay, well, I have this product. And so I'd like to look at it. And he says, well, have, has it been tested yet? And I said, well, what do you mean tested? <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's how I started. <laughs> wow. So let's take it back for a bit. Okay. When did you pivot into the whole beauty realm? You said you moved to LA, but why sunscreen? Well, before I moved to LA, I started getting these little black moles on my face. And I thought they were genetic because all of my aunts and my grandmothers both had them. But I felt like I was getting them too early. So I went to the dermatologist to say, look, I know I'm going to get them. They're genetic, but I'm getting them too early. How can I slow down the process? And, you know, she's I'm in New Orleans. She's like, child, darling, these ain't no, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she was like, these are not, this isn't genetic. This is sun damage. Wow. And I'm so taken aback because, you know, we just don't grow up with that kind of information. We don't grow up slathering sunscreen. We just, it's just not a part of our community. And so I immediately left her office and went to Walgreens and bought sunscreen. And the first thing I noticed is when I would apply it, if I 
happened to accidentally rub my eye. My eyes were water. My eyeliner is a mess. My, uh, my mascara is a mess. And it was just so irritating. But because I didn't have any real knowledge of sunscreen, I, it took me a while to even be aware that there was this mineral sunscreen out there. So I found it. It didn't irritate me because it's no chemicals. And so my problem was, you know, zinc and titanium are just generally purely white in their most natural state. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm looking like a ghost. There's white stuff in my hairline and my eyebrows. It was just a disaster. So then I started looking for tinted mineral-based sunscreens. Well, I found them, but they weren't tinted for me. So now instead of white, my skin is either gray or lavender. Uh. It's just very frustrating because I don't wear makeup unless I'm doing something special. My daily regimen does not include foundation. And so now I'm having to just, it was just a mess. Like I shouldn't have to go through all this trouble to protect my skin. Right. Not, not only from moles, but from sun damage and skin cancer that we now realize that we too are very susceptible to. Yes. And isn't it amazing that, you know, when I used to put on sunscreen and I would think I was crazy, like that my skin now kind of had this purple tint. I'm like, am I, is the sun in my eyes? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, it's crazy that these so many products are created and they're not created for us, for our no, kind of skin. No, no. And we could have known, you know, just like they, these big companies spend marketing dollars on everything else, they could have made us aware that, look, you guys need this just because you have melanin in your skin doesn't mean that you're protected. Right. So, but it just, <clears throat> we've not historically been a priority in the beauty space. And it's so wonderful to see that now, you know, the industry is taking notice and of course we still have a long way to go, but it's getting a lot better. It is taking notice, but you know what is happening. And, and this is another reason I want to reach out to you is that there's, there's a lot of, products that are being created, but the ingredients are problematic. <laughs> and, you know, when did you start to, to care about that as well? Well, soon as I realized what was irritating me. Mm. And when I realized it was the chemicals in the sunscreen that was causing me this discomfort. And so I was forced to figure it out. Now, my lifestyle is pretty healthy. I'm vegan. I'm very conscientious about, you know, my, everyone in my family drives Teslas. I mean, we're, we really try to make our contribution to this, this environment and this world. And, and of course to our people. And so I knew that we needed to have a product that worked for us that didn't force us to use chemicals. So what's happening and what I see, and it's very frustrating is, yeah, you know, people are saying, oh, our sunscreen doesn't leave residue or, oh, well, no, it doesn't because it's chemical. Mm. And it doesn't have the natural ingredient of zinc and titanium, which is a natural product. And so, yeah, you can avoid that. But then you have to deal with all of the, the hormone, hormone duplicators, all of the other, these skin irritants that you deal with when you're wearing chemical-based sunscreens and using products that you're not reading the labels, you don't know what you're putting on the largest organ on your entire body, we have to be more diligent. And when you have a product or you have products, because I'm not the only one, a lot of companies are moving to clean beauty. Well, a lot more, not nearly comparatively, not just a few, but we have to be responsible for ourselves. We have to be responsible for what we eat. We have to be responsible for the products that we use. 
So I'm just glad that I have um, a desire to offer products for women of color that don't include poisoning them. Yes. <laughs> That's dramatic, obviously. But it's really kind of the truth. Like we don't know. The FDA regulates far more ingredients and allows far more ingredients in any other country. Like France and Europe, so many of the ingredients that, that are allowed in our products are banned in other countries. And it's a capitalistic society. And honestly, they don't care about us. And women of color are even lower on the totem pole. Like nobody's checking for our safety and our security and our well-being the way that they should be, considering the amount of monies that we spend in the marketplace. Yes, pre Preach, preach. And, you know, it also is because a lot of times people who don't have skin that reacts to some of these chemicals, like the reaction for you will be long term. Don't don't get it twisted. Like there is still something happening in your body, but you might not, you know, as someone who suffers from eczema, you might not see it come out on your skin immediately. So there's less of that sense of urgency about these things. But when you start Googling these ingredients, it is some scary ish in these products. Yes. That's so true. I have a girlfriend, she's 51 now, and she had beautiful skin all her life, just beautiful skin. And then last year, she just, she has the worst issue with eczema, just out of no, well, it's not out of nowhere. And so she had to completely change her lifestyle because when she, when it first started, they had her on this, this horrible medication that was, that had not started yet, but what do you call the labels, the warnings? Huge kidney implications. She was Ooh. having it three times a day because, I mean, her arms and her legs and her chest. And I'm thinking this is the result of prolonged use of certain chemicals, certain environmental factors, mm-hmm. our diets. Look, you may not see it for years, but at some point until we start checking for what's better for us and what's good for us, it's going to come. It's just going to be a delayed response. Yep. Now, it's one thing to have an idea. It's another to go out there and say, I'm going to find these chemists. I'm going to put this product to life. I'm going to scale this. What were your first steps to going about this process? Well, the first step was a friend of mine, when I knew that I wanted something, I didn't want it for a business. I really just wanted it for myself. Okay. So I went to my friend, he has a hair care business and I asked him to introduce me to his chemist at the lab. And I just wanted him to make something for me that maybe I can buy directly. And, and we worked on a product for about four months back and forth. And it was just so amazing. So now I'm armed with this information about these molds and sun damage for people with melanin. And so now my sisters, I'm from a large family. There's 11. I have uh, brothers and sisters and I have a, a shipload of cousins. And so now the girls in particular, are like, oh, wow, really? So we don't have to. So everyone loved the sunscreen, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I just kind of decided, I was talking to my son and I was like, you know, I don't know, maybe I should build a business around this and help to educate women. And and then just got really excited about it. And so the first step was, we knew that we had this product. So then going to a manufacturer for components. And then they asked me about the testing. So then I went back to the lab and I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So we have to have this tested. And the lab said, well, I can't have it tested. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? We just spent four months on this product. He says, well, I'm not an FDA approved lab. Wow. So I had to start all over. (laughs) (laughs) 
Did you did you just Google FDA approved lab or on the website? Do they say, you know, here are the approved labs you can work work in? Yes, there are. They, they do have a list of approved labs that you can find. Oh, my gosh. So how do you start over with them? Do you take the recipe that your friend developed? Not no, recipe, but uh, no, formula. you can't. No. So we started over. But at this point, I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew some of the main ingredients that we had started with. So it was a little bit easier. It took a while to go back and forth because, you know, these these labs are bigger and the turnaround time is slower. But we figured it out. We figured it out. There was a lot of look. There were a lot of bumps along the way. Of course. When you say you figured it out, so that first time that you tested it and you received that batch that you were happy with, what did it consist of? What was it about it that made you know that, oh, we've got it now? Because it was it was clean. I I was very specific with the lab. I had Googled some ingredients. And at that point, I was more aware of chemical sunscreens. I wasn't really aware of the you know, some of the more common dirty ingredients. That's been like a process that I've really learned and really delved into. And so now we have a lot of new products coming out and I'm very, like yesterday, I spent a good amount of time just going through chemicals, creating a no list. I don't want Mm. this. I don't want that. And so that's a learning process. And so you take that. And when you take this knowledge to a lab, then they know where to start because they're going to go 80% of sunscreens are chemical based. So that's going to be the first route that they take. So when you go armed with what you want and what you don't want, it's a good starting ground. And they, and then they test it to make sure that it's SPF. No, they create it. They create it. Based on their experience, they have a general idea of what will pass. And so then I send it to, and you know, obviously for checks and balances, your testing facilities have to be separate from your lab. Okay. So then you send the product to an FDA-approved testing facility. They test for the SPF, that if you're saying it's a 30 or 40 or 50, they they ensure that it's meeting the SPF target. They I test for, I test for a lot of stuff that I don't have to, skin sensitivity, um, water resistant, just a lot of PET preservatives. I don't use preservatives in my hero line because we don't use water, but we do have some new products that are water-based and we're looking for cleaner ways to preserve them in the packaging. Okay. So it's, um, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. And how did you know when it was ready for market to serve all skin shades and tones? Just testing it on all of my family and my friends and just rubbing it on everybody's forearm. Just <laughs> it blends in. And so that's yeah, it. That, you know, just practical testing because the labs don't do that. That's just something that you do on your own. And we did that. And, and I was surprised. I mean, just in my family alone, we have so many different shades, probably in, in, in most families. Yes. <laughs> like, you have all kinds of complexions. Right. And so it did really well. And it did great on my white friends and my Latin friends. And I just thought, wow, this is like, I was really proud of, of what we created. I'm proud of you too. And I just recently took it on my birthday trip in February to Jamaica. And I was so happy that, oh, yeah, it blended. I'm like, this works. Awesome. <laughs> you know, because it. it's hard. It's, not only is it hard to find clean products, but then to find black owned clean products, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It, it is, it is, I'm thankful for that. Talk to us about how long did it take you from inception to, putting up a website and putting the product for sale? 
about two years. Wow. Yeah. Because it's, it, and it's expensive. It's mm-hmm. not a cheap process. Um, for sunscreen, it's less expensive, I think, to do skincare. Well, it depends on the quality of because we're, we're, we're launching skincare later this year. And it's so, yeah, but um, it took two years. And when you say it's expensive, can you share a little bit more details as the ballpark or, you know, what it costs to invest in the labs and the products and bring it to market? I think that if you start out with, you know, about anywhere from seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars, you can get everything that you want to bring it to life. All right. So now let's transition into the marketing process. Now mm-hmm. you have this product that is out there, and how do you get people to start hearing about it and buying it? What were some of your first marketing steps? Well, we did, can I tell you that it's 2019? Yes. And we, we have not spent any marketing dollars. Not yet. And we have. And when been, did you launch the product officially? On, I mean, for sale? May, May 2016. Okay. And we have just been so blessed and it's been so well received. And you've seen all the write ups and, and we had. Three months after we launched, we had Derm Store approach us, and then we went. That was our first e-commerce. Derm Store is the second largest e-commerce store in the nation, um, uh, owned by Target. And then we had Credo Beauty approach us. Like I don't even have a Salesforce team. That's something we're building right now. And we've just been very, very fortunate, I guess, through word of mouth. Okay. And Instagram, I guess that's really the only thing that we've done is on Instagram. Right. And it's just, you know, it's just really worked out in a way because you wouldn't think that there was really a need, but because people don't know, but people are not only getting educated, a lot of women know, like we know what's best for us. We know what we need. That we just didn't have anything out there. So we just kind of pushed it to the back of our heads. Mm-hmm. Or tried to find workarounds. Right, right, definitely. And then when you find something, you're like, oh my gosh, wait a second. I don't have to use this chemical stuff anymore and this works or, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of what's happened. So we're looking at really doing different things. There's a lot of stuff going on this year just to try to do more marketing or marketing and just continue to grow. And when you think of your brand and your positioning, are you, do you try to focus more on the fact that you are creating, you've created this sunscreen for women of color, skin of color, or that it's a clean product that's not filled with all these chemicals? Like, are you able to work that all into one or you you focus on one aspect? Well, I, okay. So here we are. I feel like we as black women or women of color have been excluded from the marketplace for so long. So clearly I'm a chocolate brown woman and I created this product because I needed it. But I don't want to contribute to the world of exclusivity or exclusion. Wait, tell us, what do you mean by that? I mean that this product was made for us for women of color, but I also make products for women who are not of color, who are, I just want to cover the spectrum and include all, when I say include all skin tones, that's exactly what I mean. So yes, I created Unsun because I needed a product. My sisters and my girlfriends needed products that would protect them from the sun without chemicals and without the residue. And so, but we're not the only ones. 
everybody needs something that's going to protect them and clean. Mm -hmm. And clean beauty is, it's the wave of the future. People are becoming so aware and they're moving in the direction of doing things that are good for them and good for the environment. So, so I focus on Unsun being a product for everybody being a clean alternative to chemical based products. Okay. And so I'd be remiss to not for one minute, just touch on the fact that you are the mom of one of our favorite singers. And what was his reaction? So Frank Ocean, what was his reaction? And, you know, how has having a son in the entertainment industry helped or maybe not helped, um, you know, the unsung brand? (laughs) Well, Well, he was he was excited. I mean, he's always he knew that I wanted to do something different. He's extremely supportive. How is it? helped. Well, I tell you one thing, it would have helped a lot more if he just, I keep saying, why don't you take a picture putting on some sunscreen? <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm not video. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just come on, take a quick video. No, mom, no, I'm not doing that. I love you though. <laughs> oh, but he wears on sun every day, you know? Um, so I, I ship him, ship stuff to him all the time to New York. And, um, Initially, honestly, when the the first articles came out and it was Frank Ocean's mom, Frank Ocean's mom, I felt like, oh, you know, I want them to just focus on me. But right. I, I understood what it was. I appreciated that it was, you know, advertising. It was it was a way to let people know. And eventually it would evolve. And just as I thought it has evolved. And I'm really grateful for that. But um yeah, he posted something, I guess, a few months ago because he forgot to mention us in his GQ interview and he posted something. And so we got a lot of really, really great, you know, feedback from that and some really great sales on that day that he posted it. So, yeah, it would help a lot more if he posts a lot more. But, <laughs> but yeah. I like that, you know, you guys keep it separate and it's not you know, that you, you try to benefit off of his name. And isn't that funny? Like you have this child and then all of a sudden it's, I'm, you're so-and-so's mom rather than he's my child. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no, I birthed I'm, him. Yeah, yeah, no, he's my son. <laughs> but yeah, so no, no. Yeah, we, we, he's supportive, but it's, you know, it's, I'm building this thing and, um, and he's there if I need anything, but he has his stuff going on. It's a busy year for him as well. Of course. So now let's talk a little bit more about distribution. I know that you have a website. Are you planning to go in stores or working to get in more retailers? Yes, we are doing a collaboration with a major retailer next month. I can't speak to it yet, okay. but uh, we're launching in the mid of May. And we're really excited about that. And we'll definitely have to schedule another call after that to talk about it. Yes. But, um, yeah. So we're continuing to grow and scale up. And then we're going. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited. And right in time for the summer because people yes. need to know about this. Protect yourselves. Protect yes, yourselves. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Please. Your health, your beauty, all of that good stuff. So how have you dealt with the challenges that have come along in this process? Like what were some of the most challenging parts and how did you push through? Oh, girl, (laughs) (laughs) it's always challenging. I mean, it's business, right? And, and when you're dealing with retailers or you're, I I could just go on and on. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's been it, this is the last month and preparing for this 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 big retailer and just regular making sure that you have product or running low and rushing to get it done. I just had an issue. We're doing FabFitFun. We um we're gonna be in their boxes next month. Okay. This month and there <laughs> there was an issue with with at the plant and filling the tubes. I mean, look, it's business. There's always stuff. And I, I, I don't sleep half the time when we're going through stuff. I'm just up in the middle of the night thinking and writing. And, and so I just try to really put things in perspective Mm -hmm. and try to just keep my eye on the bigger picture and know that, you know, things, things ultimately, if we all just, everyone that's listening took a minute to reflect on their past, we would all say, you know what? Things just seem to work themselves out, don't they? At times in our lives when we thought it was just horrible, it was just the end of this, whether it's business, job, relationship, things just figure themselves out. And mm-hmm. so I try to keep that mindset because really and truly, especially in my life, I've I've been given so much favor in my life. And why would I expect that to change now? And so then, you know, just in those moments where I'm just really stressing out or I just want a glass of wine at 11 a.m., <laughs> you know, I just try to think positively. <laughs> And I actually, as you spoke, something occurred to me. Now, how do you make sure your products stay clean throughout the whole process of, you know, getting into the tube and there's no cross-contamination? Are these, so the labs that are making it, um, they only make clean products? No, but you know, they're machines. So that's the benefit of working with, with these labs. They have very stringent guidelines by the FDA and, you know, your products, these machines are cleaned like crazy before they go from one, they have to be. Mm -hmm. And you remember we have testing like before. So let's, let me tell you, we have a, a tube of sunscreen. It's filled. They're filled. They're set aside. They, they can't ship them to me. I can't sell them. There are certain tests that have to occur before they will even ship them to me. And that protects the lab and it protects me and my consumers as well. So when you're dealing with OTC products, it's not easy to screw it up. They make it complicated. <laughs> for everybody and you know as you're speaking i swear i just i just see dollar signs floating in front of my eyes i mean this whole (laughs) thing just sounds so expensive so important yet so expensive now a lot of people i expect a lot of people to lose money in the first few years of their business but what has been your experience oh well you're not gonna make any money that's that's a joke (laughs) and and you don't expect to okay Um, well when when do you expect that to change um this year okay yeah but but and i say to people all the time look it's 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 incredible to be an entrepreneur but you have to plan for it you can't just up and quit your job because you can't focus on your, your new passion or your new business. If you're worrying about how you're going to pay the rent or the mm-hmm. power bill, 
So you have to be practical. You have to save your money, set aside 12 to 18 months of salary, you know, drive Uber on the side. If while you're starting a business, you have to plan because you're not going to make money and any money that you might make, you want to reinvest in your company to, to for more R and D and creating new products and marketing. So it's not something that should just be thought about without really true and specific intention. And who did you ask for help along this along this way, in addition to your friend who had a, a salon? You know, the first person I went to is my friend Melody Asani, and she's a designer. She has a, a couple stores here one in here and one in New York. And I just, because she knows so many people, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I went to her and I was like, Melody, I need, and she went through her Rolodex and we just started calling people and emailing people. She found my website designer. I mean, she was a tremendous support to me. And it was a lot of women like Melody that I went, reached out to. And so I could say like my my experience with this was so positive. And I say all the time that I am so excited to be a woman at this time because women really do support each other. And so many wonderful things can happen when we do. So that's the first place I went. Nice. No, I hadn't heard of her, but I just looked her up. Very cool. And you're right. I do think that women have been so critical in the lives of myself, many of my guests. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's so powerful to see what happens when we come together and we actually support yes. each other. Yeah. Yes. And we do it very often. So, yes. you know, anything else is just a misconception. Truly, truly, truly. No, it's a great time. All right. So now before we jump into the lightning round, tell us what's next for Catania and Unsun. Oh, wow. Well, we're going into skincare without SPF. Right now, you know, we have face, body, hands, and lips. We'll be launching body this year. And in the new store, there's a uh the new project, the new partnership. <laughs> but uh, we're going into skincare, which I'm so excited about. We're going to CBD infused skincare products that will be launching in the next few months. When you say skincare, because I, I think everyone will get it. I know you said non SPF, but it's like you were in skincare. But what do you that's mean? True. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. I'm going to have to think about that. Good point. So just day creams, night creams with retinol, just moisturizers. Skincare like that, okay. not sun protection. Okay. Well, I am very excited for all of this. I'm I'm very excited for when you move into foundation too, because Catania, my skin is acting a fool these days. Really? Yeah, it just cannot do the chemicals anymore. So oh. definitely keep us posted on all of it. All right. Yeah, we'll do. Now let's shift into the lightning round. Okay. Just answer the very first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. Okay. Number one, what is a resource, any resource online, physical, that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Girlfriends. Trusting, trusting my mentors and my friends who did this before me. Mm. Okay. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you have consumed this year? I read this book called Conscious Entrepreneurs which really resonated with me and my brand. 
conscious entrepreneurs. Ooh, I like that new one. Okay. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day? My sunscreen, honey. <laughs> easy one. That was an easy one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Passion and planning. Mm. But passion, because the passion helps get you through, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... It's like chemistry in a relationship. It helps you get over the hurdles of difficult times. So I would definitely have to say passion. Okay. And last question. Um, Number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Girl, don't quit your job. Save if it's $100 a month, depending on your salary, $500 a month. Put the money aside, sell some stuff, ask family members for investments, but don't quit your job until you have made the the plans to get you through at least a year while you work and focus on your business. Love it. And where can people connect with you and Unsun after this episode? Unsuncosmetics.com and Unsung Cosmetics, Instagram, Twitter, everything Unsung Cosmetics. All right, guys. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.